Good morning. It's good to see everyone this morning. It was a great Sunday last Sunday, and it's gotten me thinking a lot about the church, about Dayspring, about legacy, as uh, uh, Dan was sharing with us. And in today's text, it brings us to Paul and his companions going to Macedonia to preach the gospel. Uh, the lectionary brings us to Acts today, and it just seems to be the appropriate text to, to take out of the lectionary today. And so Paul and his companions are going to Macedonia. They're going to preach the gospel. Luke writes that they have concluded that God has called them to leave for Macedonia now, at once, and to go and preach the gospel. Just as a side note here, you'll notice Luke says here in this passage, and I'm going to read it in just a second, he says, we... We. This is the first mention of Luke being with Paul. And so as you know, Luke did travel with Paul for a while. Luke wrote the book of Acts uh, as he wrote after, you know, most excellent Theophilus. This is the second edition, really, of what I've got to tell you, uh, the second uh, 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 part of it. Uh, and so Luke writes that he's here. We think that Paul has probably joined Luke because if you read in the book of Galatians, Paul says, I'm here preaching the gospel to you because I'm ill. And so Luke was a physician. And so we think that Luke perhaps began to join Paul and travel with him because of Paul's illness. So, Luke chapter, excuse me, Acts chapter 16, verses 9 through 15, read this way. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the, uh, the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to the sea and sailed straight to Samothrace, and the next day to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and a leading city, a city of the district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. Notice no men. To the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of, I've been working on this now, Thyatira is how that's said, um, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So, we know that Paul's been traveling throughout Galatia with some folks. And he and his team have now concluded, because of this vision and some other reasons, that they should go to Macedonia. And how they come to that conclusion is really quite interesting. Um, they had been in the region of, of Phrygia. And the province of Asia. Now, this is Asia, not as we think of today, but really a part of Turkey. And so that's kind of the area they're in. And they said they wanted to go into Asia, but the Holy Spirit kept them from preaching in the province of Asia. In light of that, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't allow it. We're told that the deciding factor on where they would travel next is that Paul has a vision, this vision of the Macedonian, that he attributes to God saying, come over here and help us. It seems this act of concluding, as Luke calls it, is more of a, duh, aren't you think? 
I mean, think about it. The entire Trinity is involved in directing Paul and his companions. The Holy Spirit said, don't go here. The Spirit of Jesus said we shouldn't be here. I have a vision from God. Wouldn't it be nice if everything was just that clear in our lives? If we could get direction and clarity that way, well, wait a second. The Holy Spirit stopped me. I was going to go, but there stood the Holy Spirit and said, nah, not this way. So I turned and went the other way, and well, there was the Spirit of Jesus saying, no, Gary, don't, don't go that way. And then there's God standing with an open door saying, come on in. This is the way I would like you to go. I don't know about your life, but I get that kind of clarity every day about what I'm going to do. Uh, uh, it just is wonderful, is it not? And as you think about, we talked about seeking our next pastor this morning. Uh, as you think about seeking our, in, in the early time, as you think about that, and as we seek how we're to engage in the community, what is our mission here at Dayspring? And we're seeking a new pastor. Wouldn't it be nice to have that kind of direction? And as I read about Paul's experience here and other similar happenings in the Bible, it seems there are some basic understandings that come with gaining clarity about direction. Because I do think we can gain clarity. We may not see the Holy Spirit. We may not have the Spirit of Jesus talking. We may not have God giving us visions. But there are some things that come to help with direction and clarity. Remember, Paul wasn't traveling for pleasure or profit. But he was traveling as an ambassador of God. Paul believed he was on a mission that was set and established with God and one that he needed to be faithful to. Not surprising then, he turned to God for direction and began to think about what would God have me do. Paul took for granted that he was a piece of a divine strategy. He believes he's going to find guidance for his role in this divine strategy, so he looks for it. One of the ways of finding clarity and direction is to begin to look for it. Belief that God can and will guide us rests upon the assurance that God has an all-encompassing plan by which and according to which God will guide us. It's called providence. You've heard that word before, the providence of God. That's the idea that God has this grand divine strategy that he's moving uh, uh, human history through. This is not fatalism. This isn't, it's going to happen no matter what and I can't do a thing about it and I can't really participate. It's not accidentalism, just, well, I go along and all of a sudden, boy, something happened, and my goodness. Now, I sometimes believe my life is accidental uh, in terms of the things I've done. I look back on where I was, and I go, how did I ever get here? But, but it's not accidentalism. God actually has a plan, a grand strategy within which there is room for personal freedom. A divine strategy. God has a plan. And you have personal freedom inside how you live out that plan. Three things we should note about the providence of God. First, God's plan is flexible enough to include free people. God leaves room for us in this process, for our development, for our input on the plan. As we will be seeking our next pastor, we will be looking for our input. Dayspring Baptist Church is, is up to, to how we're going to engage in mission. What should be our work, our strategy, our work plan, if you will? God has the strategy. Dana, we may get you to do a strategic plan here in a second. God has a strategy, right? So what's our work plan for implementing the strategy? God has some objectives. God has some goals. How do I live into those? And so we're about that. Believing that God has a strategy, how does Dayspring live into that? 
And the wonderful news is that God is flexible enough to make the use of what is unique about us to implement his divine strategy. God's plan, secondly, is forceful enough to preclude the possibility of failure. God is not going to fail. Yes, there are setbacks in how we implement God's plan, but God's plan moves forward as we learn and we find our ways inside God's plan. Wonderful thing about God is God is able to take the leftovers from my mistakes, our mistakes, all those efforts that had good intentions to them but really were amounting to nothing, and he can help us learn from that. And God's plan moves forward. Remember the story of Joseph. Do you remember that story? Not Joseph, the father of Jesus, but Joseph, the patriarch. His brothers are jealous of him because he has a beautiful coat. And he's also a braggart. But they're jealousy of him because of that. And so um, they put him in a pit. They're going to leave him. And they say, wait, here comes a caravan. And so they sell him into slavery, into Egypt, if you remember. And uh, uh, then all the things go on. And finally his brothers and his father are down there trying to get food because there's a, a famine and they need food. And, and Joseph has been wise and saved up food. His brothers show up and, and once they figure out who he is, I think they're a little frightened. Got an all-powerful guy here who we really mistreated. We're needing stuff. This ain't good, right? We're in trouble here. And what does Joseph say? Do you remember? What you meant for evil, God used for good to save your lives. What you meant for evil, God was able to use that for good. God takes our mistakes, our errors, our seemingly failures, intentional or not, and weaves us back into the plan, God's strategic plan. God's plan of what, he wants, what God wants to do in the world. If we are willing and if we're desirous to be part of God's plan, God will weave us back into it. We can never fall outside that as long as we're willing to be a part. Third thing we need to probably think about in terms of the, the providence of God is his purpose. The purpose of God in his plan is to create and sustain life. Not just length of life, but quality and richness of life. Life with meaning. Life with pur purpose. You know, the, the word salvation, soteriology, uh, uh, really brings the idea, a concept of a wholeness. And so the idea that God is trying to create a wholeness of life for us, a fullness of life, it is a reality that we, or at least I should say I, often have difficulty perceiving God's plan. Victor Hugo said this, God makes visible to people God's will in events which is an obscure text written in a mysterious language. Doesn't it feel that way sometimes? God, why is this happening? Why is this happening in this way? Moses, if you remember, uh, Moses is on the mountain, and he's being told to go get the children of Israel out of Egypt. And if you remember that wonderful story, uh, Moses said to God, uh, how will I know, or how will they know that you actually sent me? So how are we supposed to understand this? And you remember those wonderful words of God that my father used to use me a lot, use on me a lot. And those words were, once you're back here with the children of Israel, then you'll know. My father said, once you take the test, you'll know whether or not you learned the lesson. Right? That's what's going on here. It is hard sometimes to see this. And sometimes we only see what God is doing when we look in retrospect. That's when we see the pattern of God's work 
in our lives. That's when we see the pattern of God's work, that legacy that Dan talked about here at Dayspring. It comes out of the events of our existence. We begin to see, wait, God is with us. God is with us. Paul was prohibited from going to Asia where he truly wanted to preach the gospel. And I imagine Paul was thinking, but, but God, those people need, they need the gospel too. And if you remember, God always has a plan that seems better than ours. So remember what Paul does. He goes good and goes to Philippi. He there goes to the riverside and he meets a woman named Lydia. Do you remember what she did? She said, She's a dealer in purple dye. And she came from Thyatira. Thyatira happens to be in the heart of Asia. Now, this wasn't a woman who had moved from Thyatira over to Philippi. This is a woman who was doing business in Philippi and going back to Thyatira to her home base at times. How do you think the gospel got to Asia? Where was God's plan in that? I'm sure Paul and his companions were probably thinking, well, God, don't, you must not love the people of Asia. Don't, I mean, we could go there. It's a whole lot closer. We don't have to get on a ship to go there. And yet, God already has his plan. And it involves a woman named Lydia carrying the gospel back to Asia. Often to perceive the plan of our lives, of our community, requires faith. A belief that God actually has a plan for us. Because it is written in that obscure language of events at times. And it can be hard to perceive, so our faith is absolutely critical here. Guidance can take different shape in our lives. We can go and, and, and do and, and, and get off the path on occasion. Paul wanted to go to other places. But trusting God in faith, taking the steps that are before us, Having the faith to take that next step always seems to help us move forward in the plan of God. In the actions and events of life, God guides us to God's self, to life, if we'll but let God do that. I love the words, concluding that God had called us. And as I read those words this week, as I said earlier, it really got me thinking about God's calling and guidance and how these words might apply to Dayspring. Look around you. What do you see? Look around you. Just take a look. When I look around Dayspring, I see people. I see people with incredible skill sets coming from a, a really diverse experience in life, tremendous abilities, deep knowledge, and people with incredible faith and faithfulness. We have all kinds of tools around here. We just dedicated one of them last Sunday. We have prayer areas over here. We have an incredible building to serve children. All of those things, when I look around, I see that here at Dayspring. So if we look around us and see all these things, what might we conclude today? Might we conclude that God is calling us to be God's presence, to preach and be the gospel to God in the St. Louis community? It appears God has equipped us. Perhaps God is doing that. How do we get clarity on, on how we are to move forward from here? One of the scriptural themes of the book of Acts 
is, is about community mission and community guidance inside God's plan. How do we get clarity? We do it together. We listen to one another. Your, your search committee is phenomenal at doing this. We, uh, Trish talked about that this morning in our time together at 930. The search committee is doing an incredible job of listening to one another, hearing one another, exploring with one another, praying with one another what God's plan might be. We will best find our direction in community. We, we have an opportunity to be like Paul, you know, to behave like Paul. I had a line at work. Actually, I still have this line at work because uh, I often didn't know what to do next. You know, someone would bring a problem and I wouldn't have a clue to do. I always thought when I don't know what to do, I do what I know. Right? When I don't know what to do, I do what I know. And I started doing that work in my office that I knew how to do. And I started working on who we are, what we're doing, what's our current strategic plan, how am I supposed to be implementing this, what do I know how to do, wait, I know how to call people and talk to them, I'll call people and talk to them, I'll do those kind of things. And it was amazing that when I did that, I began to get clarity about how to deal with what was going on. That's what Paul did. So Paul shows up in Philippi, not necessarily willingly, he had other places he wanted to be, but he shows up in Philippi, he looks around and there's no synagogue, he's still working through the synagogue, he would go to a town, go to the synagogue, Philippi must not have a very large Jewish community because there doesn't seem to be a synagogue for him to go to, so he goes out to the riverside, you know why he goes out to the riverside? Because his past experience had taught him that when there's no synagogue, Jews will gather to pray by the river. And so he goes out there, and there's only women, which may tell you why there's no synagogue, because there were some rules in it were a little archaic, maybe current then, but archaic now, that you had to have ten men to have a, a synagogue in, in a community. And so Paul goes out to the river, to the riverside, and he meets Lydia, and thus starts the church in Philippi. It's interesting, isn't it? Lydia, this woman, who doesn't have enough clout to create a synagogue creates a church in her home. And by the way, takes the gospel back to Asia. So one of the things we should do is first talk with one another. Secondly, try something. If it's wrong, we'll do it over. You know, I, I, people say, well, I don't know how to say this. Well, I always say to them, well, say it, and if you do it wrong, I'll give you another chance. Right? I'll listen again. I'll tell you I didn't quite get it. Right? That's where we should be, to try something. We might think that maybe the next person that God calls to be our pastor, we might look at her or his skills and passions. What are they good at? Maybe that is God placing within us the very things we need to move forward. And so we ought to look at that and consider maybe God is giving us a new gift in this new pastor. We move forward in faith and hope, not by sight or we won't move forward at all. If we have to know the end before we begin the journey, we will never get there. Acts is the story of God's plan working itself out. We are the continuation, the legacy, thank you, Dan, of that story. When I look at Dayspring, I can't help but conclude that we have been called to preach the gospel in this place, to be the very presence of God together in this community. We may not see the Holy Spirit. We may not see the Spirit of Jesus. God may not be holding the door open, but I am convinced that God has called us 
I have concluded that. And you know what? I believe, therefore, God will be faithful to us as we live out what God has called us to do.